Yeah, let me, let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into our topic this morning, which is continuing our series, In Christ Alone, just what is, who is Jesus and what, is he, what has He done for us, by looking at this, uh, this label that's given to Him as our Redeemer. So we're looking at Jesus as our Redeemer, but let's pray together, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Father, thank You for, like we just said, thank You for the spring, thank You for new life, thank You for sunshine, thank You for warmth as a great reminder of the seasons of life that we go through in our faith. and Sometimes we're in the winter and we feel frozen and stuck. And then uh, we know that spring always comes and you um, are faithful to us to give us new life and so that we walk in new life. And I do pray that this morning that you would help us uh, see you with fresh eyes. I know that if we've grown up in church for a long time, uh, this word redeemer is probably a familiar word, but we pray against uh, familiarity being a burden, but Father, would, it, would you give us new eyes uh, and new life to see the beauty that you have redeemed us from the curse of the law and that you have welcomed us and brought us into your presence? And uh, would it help us know how to navigate just our daily life? We pray in your Son's name. Amen. So, like I said, we've been two weeks, we've taken a little, a two-week detour, I guess, or two-week break as we, as we join with the adults. So, we're in a series called In Christ Alone, where we're looking at the saving work of Christ. And I, I keep saying this to you every week, but one of the greatest questions that we can answer is what? Is what? Who is Jesus? Very good, said nobody. Uh, I'm just kidding. But yeah, so like, you guys know the thing where... Uh, um, you know, Jesus says uh, to his disciples, you know, he's saying, who do people say that I am? And he says, like, you know, some say this person, that person, this person. But then Jesus turns the question on his disciples and say, well, great, that's what everybody else says, but who do you say that I am? So we're looking at uh, this, we're taking literally 12 weeks for you to have a theology of, to answer that question so that you know who Jesus is because when you meet God at the pearly gates and he asks you why I shall let you into heaven, it's, it's, he's not going to ask you that. He's going to ask you, who do you think Jesus is and what he has done for you? So, um, uh, so we're looking at, uh, like I said, uh, all these different things that Jesus has done for us. And today we're going to look at Christ as our Redeemer, uh, which we'll, be, uh, we'll look at now. So how many of you ever heard this, uh, um, the, this, this phrase, cancel culture? Have you guys ever heard that before? You guys have heard that before? So I heard that for the first time this week, this, this phrase, cancel culture, and it really drew my attention, and I've been like thinking about it all week, so, uh, because I can really see it, and I can really relate to it. And for those of you who don't know what that means, the culture of cancel, uh, according to Wikipedia, which, is, which in my opinion is a, is a great source, uh, it says this, call-out culture, also referred to as outrage, outrage culture, which is what I've been familiar with, right? Outrage culture, like... People, you say things like, um, uh, you know, the Yankees are going to be no good this year on social media. And then, like, you get 100 comments about how terrible a person you are because you think the Yankees aren't any good or something, right? To, to run with the baseball uh, illustration. Outrage culture. We live in an outrage culture. And it's not everybody. It's just a few people who are really loud and, and particularly on social media. But also in life, I don't know if you guys have ever had roundtable discussions at the, at the lunchroom table or at the whatever table you sit at, but people can get really outraged about the littlest things. And it's like, it's the, it's like, it's like we think it's all right to be mad at things. It's so, so we really do live in an outrage culture. Um, 
or the call-out culture. It says it's a form of public humiliation or shaming that aims to hold individuals and groups accountable for actions perceived to be offensive by other individuals or groups, who then call attention to this behavior, usually on social media. A variant of this term, which I said, cancel culture, or the culture of cancel, describes a form of boycott in which someone, usually a celebrity, who has shared a questionable or controversial opinion, or has had behavior in their past that is perceived to be either offensive, um, called out on social media, and they are uh, canceled, uh, is canceled. They are completely boycotted, and many of their followers or supporters often leading to massive declines in celebrities, uh, almost always social media personalities, careers, and fan base. I see this all the time, right? Um, there is a, uh, and this has been going on for a long time, so like I was in Lexington uh, a number of years ago, and there was a t-shirt company, or was it a cake company? I think it was a t-shirt company who refused to make um, like t-shirts for like, an, for like a gay pride parade or the LGBTQ uh, group on campus. It was something like that. And they just said, hey, no, you know, uh, this is, we don't, we don't want to promote this through our business, so we, we, we will decline to, um, to do this. And, um, and it just, and just like the, the Lexington Herald leader got a hold of it and it just like, it just blew up and they actually went out of business because of it. So it, it, it really is not just like a, not just like a thing that like to laugh at, like it really is affecting people's lives. Uh, especially one of my favorite people, Taylor Swift. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so Taylor Swift, who knows the whole Kanye West thing and Taylor Swift? Uh, so, so uh, Taylor Swift, this was probably, I don't know, what, like five years ago or something. She won, it wasn't even, it was like the MTV award, the, the Moon Man thing. She won an award for like best music video. And when she came up to accept her award, Kanye West went and stole the microphone from her and said, hey, this, this you know, I'm paraphrasing, he's like, no, no, Beyonce's video was the best video of the year. Beyonce's the best, Beyonce's the best. And she got real like, you know, like startled and kind of like didn't know what to do, and then she left and then walked off stage. But after the aftermath after that was that she uh, people you know started to do this hashtag started trending called cancel Taylor Swift. So like like get her out of there. She's no longer important, and uh, because of this whole debacle and things that came from it. And from that, she was interviewed in a Vogue magazine article from 2019, and it says this. Swift has herself been the target of calls for cancellation. In her interview, Swift directly addresses what it means to try to cancel a person, a mass public shaming with millions of people saying you are the quote-unquote canceled. It is a very isolating experience. I don't think there are that many people who can actually understand what it's like to have millions of people hate you very loudly. She went on to say, when you say someone is canceled, it's not a TV show. It's a human being. You're sending mass amounts of messaging to this person to either shut up, disappear, or it could also be, per- be perceived as kill yourself. So what she's saying is there is that it hurts to be canceled, <laughs> Right? And she's talking about this on like a massive celebrity uh, um, world, 
but all of us in our own personal individual lives, we've experienced this in some way, shape, or form. We've been canceled some way for some particular reason because we got cut from a team or we were part of a particular friend group that we got canceled out of or maybe we're, we want to be a part of a particular friend group. We don't look that way. We don't act that way. We don't talk that way. So we get shunned or shamed because of it. We all have experienced canceling or perhaps you may be on the flip side and because of your own personal insecurities, you embark in canceling others, right? Uh, we, because of the fall, because I know that people are fallen and that you're fallen, we cancel people. We say, we look at personal outward appearance, we look at skills that they may have, or whatever it may be, to say who is in and who is out. We may not be embarking on a, a mass scale like Kanye West and Taylor Swift, or like at, um, you know, like the example that I use of the t-shirt company, but we do cancel people. Um, and we have been canceled, or you will be canceled, right? Somebody will uh, look at you, they'll look at your life, they'll, they'll think of what you particularly may say or how you may look, and you will find yourself on the outside, right? Um, and, and for some people, and for myself at times, it can feel like your life is over. It can feel like you, there is no coming back, and that you are completely isolated and alone, and that will be for the forever world that you live in. This is another example um, but how this works out on social media that I wanted to share. So this guy named Thomas wrote in response to Amy's thing. Uh, the, Amy says this. So uh, apparently Jimmy John's, the owner of Jimmy John's, is a hunter. And he hunted uh, an elephant. What was it? Yeah, an elephant. And uh, he po- took a picture like, hey, look at the elephant that I got. And then posted it on social media. And animal rights groups grabbed it and said, you know, boycott Jimmy John's. Uh, this happens all the time, right? Have you guys ever seen this in other places? Like, yeah, like, what would Papa John do? Yeah, so, like, in, like, um, yeah, like, I, I remember there was a baseball player for the Mets who, a couple years ago, like, somebody had gone through his whole Twitter feed from, like, years and years and years ago, and he had a racial slur in there, and it came back, like, 10 years later, and he was like, bro, I don't even remember saying this but I'm really sorry for it. And he actually had to like, he like had like a three game suspension for something that he said way back in high school. So, um, and he got canceled and he got shunned and he got hated, right? So this happens. But anyway, uh, Amy said, the owner of Jimmy John's has just posted a pic of himself sitting on a mutilated elephant that he killed with a thumbs up. I refuse to repost that sickening image. image. Needless to say, if you're not already doing it, boycott Jimmy John's, you already should. And then this guy, in response to this, said, Your attitude is poison. What you're calling for is hurting an entire business with thousands of employees and customers because of one person. Let's boycott, cancel culture instead of, you know, boycott Jimmy John's, right? So, so I'm, I'm, I'm elaborating on this point. But this is, this is a really, this is everywhere. It's everywhere on social media. It's in the lunchroom. It's on your sports team. This, it's whatever it is. And in, 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 in psychology today, uh, Pamela Parsky calls cancel culture apocalyptic, saying an apocalyptic culture is not interested in wounded hearts. It wants to destroy, not heal. It wants retribution for moral impurities, not forgiveness for kids. And it uses the new tools of social media to accomplish its apocalyptic goal. So you see what it's saying there? It's saying culturally, the world that we live in, because we live in a cancel culture, it's, it's apocalyptic. Like if you make one mistake, you're done. If you say the wrong thing, even if it's wrong, like it's, there's no sense of forgiveness, there's no sense of coming back, there's no sense of healing, right? We all make mistakes. We make mistakes all the time. And our culture loves to 
to find people's mistakes and exploit them instead of helping them and helping them towards healing, right? Um, she points out that the impact of cancel culture is a fervent focus on shame and blame rather than a path for reconciliation and forgiveness. And us as Christians, and us as the church, should be a different kind of a place, shouldn't it? Where people who have been canceled can find forgiveness. Where people who have been canceled can find redemption, redeeming, right? Because we have Jesus who is our redeemer. And this is kind of a summary. I love to do summary statements, right? So this is kind of like my summary of what I'm just saying. From the beginning of time, people have been canceling one another. As long as there has been conflict, there has been canceling. However, in today's youth culture and culture at large, with its unique contemporary pressures of perfectionism and achievement, how many of you feel those pressures? Maybe. You don't have to raise your hand, but internally you can raise those hands, right? With its unique contemporary, ooh, I already said that, the decline of fun and free play, like maybe if you're younger you haven't experienced this yet, but I went to a great talk at Mason this year about how as the older you get as, as students, the less and less likely you are to engage in this thing called free play or fun time or just hobbies, right? Um, and that's, that's, that's essential for your development as a person and just for a place for you to just have like a way to like get these pressures out. That's why on Wednesday nights we do dumb things like play, uh, what's that thing that we play? The couch game and... Uh, what did we do last week? Couch game and and uh, and Gold Rush. Like I don't like I'm an old man. I don't need to play Gold Rush, but it's 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 important for me to have free play and fun time and to have a shared experience with people outside of just we accomplish a task together. Right? Does that make sense? Um, and the rise of social media being a, pr- a major or sometimes primary source of how people communicate and receive information because that's. That's kind of how things are nowadays, right? Social media is a place that we go to, to to learn and to get our information. With all this brewing, the culture of cancel can be enslaving, and this enslavement can often feel permanent, um, which is terrifying to me. It's terrifying to me to think that the bad decisions that you can make because of, because of social media and how things can become ingrained, right? When you post something on social media, it stays, um, Right, uh, like the Mets player, you can go back ten years later and see what what you said, and it can have retributions for your future. The reality of cancel culture points us to a greater insecurity that exists between us and God. Sin enslaves us and holds us captive, casting us and keeping us from God's presence. However, the good news is that it, is that Christ is our redeemer, our liberator is what that means, our purchaser who ransoms us and cancels our canceledness, right? Does that make sense? We all have done things, whether either publicly or privately, that should cancel us. That's what it means to be, to all, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus bears our canceledness and pays our ransom to invite us into his presence and into his people. In summary, because of Jesus, no one is ever too far gone which is really, really good news. For those of you who maybe feel like you're too far gone because of something that you've done or that you do or that you may be fear of that you may, might do someday, um, you know, there, are, there are retributions and there are governments and there are laws so that if you break a law or do something, uh, you, you'll pay your debt to society, but nobody is ever too far gone from God. And that is what Christ our Redeemer means. If we were our own Redeemers, and if we could purchase our own salvation, if we could purchase our own 
um, freedom, uh, then that would be different because we all would see that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and can't buy ourselves free and buy our own freedom. So anyway, so, so, so let's look at some things. Um, so what does this mean, right? What does it mean that Christ is our Redeemer? That's my big, my big idea, that Christ is our Redeemer. Um, I love this quote. No one, no word in the Christian vocabulary deserves to be held more precious than Redeemer. For even more than Savior, it reminds the child of God that his salvation has been purchased at a great and personal cost, for the Lord has given himself for our sins in order to deliver us from them. So what it means that Christ is our Redeemer, it means that he has paid our price, that there is a debt that we owe to God because of our sin, um, and that's both our moral sin but also our position, right? We are positionally cursed. Uh, we are positionally far from God. And Jesus comes and not only pays our debt, uh, pays our ransom note, so to speak, because we are enslaved to our sin and we can't pay it ourselves, but he not only pays us, but he also pulls us and invites us and puts us in his camp, so to speak, puts us in his presence. He, is both, he both pays the ransom and is our ransomer, if that makes sense. He is the ransom, right? His death is what I'm trying to say. His blood is what purchases us. He doesn't just like write a check to Satan. Six billion dollars, whatever you think that you're worth personally, uh, and says, "Here you go." No, he 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 gives all of himself um, for us. A ransom. Uh, this is what Courtney Doctor says. A ransom is the required pr- purchase price of redemption. In a ransom note, the writer demands something, the ransom, in exchange for the person being held captive. When that demand is met and the exchange occurs, we can say the person has been redeemed. The ransom is the cost of redemption, and it's you know, what I was saying, but she says it better. Jesus is both the ransom and the redeemer. Uh, Romans 3, 21 through 31, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's so much in the Scripture from Old Testament. I mean, if you, if you were to do like a word study on just the word ransom or redeemed, I mean, it's everywhere. It's, 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 what, jo- it's, what, it's what God does in, right when Adam and Eve fall and sin against God, right? He kills the animal. And he creates the skin, the covering, right? That's a ransom he pays. He sheds innocent blood of the animal so that, so that, so that Adam can be covered in his nakedness. Um, you see it in uh, the Exodus. Uh, God redeems his people from slavery. Um, you see it throughout uh, the judges. You see it throughout the establishment of God's people in the land. He continually ransoms and redeems his people through the sacrificial system that he, um, that he sets up. And then when Jesus comes, he is called our Redeemer. He is the final purchaser. His blood is good enough. And that's why we don't sacrifice animals and do these types of things, right? Uh, because his blood and his, his death on the cross has satisfied God's wrath and satisfied the purchase price and has freed us. And Romans 3, 21 through 31 is, is a summary of that. And, and I'll just read it to you. But now... The righteousness or the ability to be right standing before God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. What it's saying here is that there is a means by which we can be redeemed without having to work out our own salvation. If you were able to uphold God's law perfectly, then you would need no redeemer, right? Because you, you, you're fine. But because we have broken the law, each of us individual and also us corporally as people, we need somebody outside of ourselves who lived the perfect life, who can pay our price. 
And then in verse 22, it says, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, right? The, the beauty of and. Um, that's the best and I've ever seen, right? Because if we just had verse 23, we, we would be, we'd be in bad shape, right? For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And verse 24, and are justified by His grace, right? Grace is a free gift. Just as I, if I were to give you a Christmas present, which I'll never do. I'm just kidding. Uh, maybe if I really like you, I'll get you a Christmas present. I will give you a present once you leave this place, though, right? But I didn't, uh, you don't earn things that are, you don't earn free gifts, right? You don't, uh, your parents, hopefully, if they do this, then maybe we should talk. But if, hopefully, they don't give you a present on Christmas and then ask for 20 bucks, right? Because uh, then it's not a free gift. But grace is a free gift, and then it says this, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, right? We have a redemption, our purchase, that is in Christ Jesus. And then verse 25 defines what that redemption is and what the price that was paid for our redemption, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Right? God has, has paid the price, right? Propitiation. He has, um, he has satisfied God's wrath. He has paid the purchase price. He has made atonement for. He um, has canceled our debt, right? He, is, he has done this by his blood to be received by faith. In the same way that you accept a gift on Christmas, uh, that's what it means to receive the propitiation the free gift of God by faith. It means to just take it. And that's what faith is. It's saying, whoa, this is for me? You've done this for me? I'll take it. We confuse faith with action. Faith will lead to action. But initially, true faith is just, I have nothing to give you. I will take your gift, right? And then because we have this gift, it changes the way over time, how we live our lives, how we treat other people. But it's a free gift to be received. Jesus didn't pay our, for our sins so that we would pay him back, right? It's, he, didn't, he doesn't further enslave us, right? Jesus isn't a mortgage that none of you have. Jesus isn't credit card debt, right? You don't borrow something from him so that you pay it back later. No, it's, it's, it's something that you receive in its fullness that you have, which means what? Well, then Paul asks a great question, so then so then what becomes of our boasting, right? What do, then what do we have to be proud about? <laughs> if we can't do anything to satisfy God's wrath, if we can't do anything to earn God's favor, if we can't do anything to be whole, to be happy, to be joyful, if this is just a free gift, so then what do we do with it, right? What, do we, how, what becomes of our boasting? Is it excluded? By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. We are enslaved to the law. We are enslaved to an ethic that we can't uphold, right? And Jesus frees us from that slavery. He frees us from the law and the curse of the law because he pays for our debt and invites us to walk in light of it. Um, and then there's some other good stuff there as well. Um, one, one commentator has this to say, Humankind since the fall is on a level playing field due to sin. 
We all are in trouble with a holy and just God. Wonderfully, God declares sinners righteous, freely by His grace, His favor against our merit. On what basis does He do this? On that of Christ's saving work, here described as the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Paul will tell us more about redemption elsewhere, but here he teaches that that deliverance from what our sin deserves is found in no one else but Jesus Christ. He is the world's only Redeemer. Jesus is our Redeemer. So what does this mean for us? Well, it means because He has paid our price. He has paid our debt. Well, then it means that we can live a free life, a liberated life. Just as in the Exodus story, God rescues His people from the slavery of the Egyptians, right? How many of you know that song, Walk Like an Egyptian? Right? Walk like an Egyptian. No, God calls us not to walk like an Egyptian, who He has just freed us from, but walk in light of our redemption. You like that? You like that? Feel free to use that. Don't walk like an Egyptian. Walk in light of your redemption. Huh? 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 Yeah? No? I thought of that when I was in the shower today. My best thoughts come in the shower. Anyway. Um, so, uh, so why, yeah, seriously. So, like, God rescued his people from slavery, not to, not, to, not to continue to be like the Egyptians and be enslaved to their gods, to be enslaved to their masters, but to be enslaved to God, right? He, he, he rescues us to walk in light of our freedom, in light of our redemption. So what is this liberated life, right? What does the flower of your life look like in bloom who, who has taken in the reality that Jesus is our Redeemer. Well, the first thing is this. Uh, this is a great quote. This says, Sin puts us, puts us into slavery, a bondage from which we need to be released, but redemption always comes at a cost. God chose to bear that cost Himself in the self-giving of His Son, who came to give His life as a ransom for many. In Him, therefore, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. The cross spells freedom and releases for captive, and release for captives. So the first thing is to do this, is to, is to, is to come at me, bro. You guys, are, you guys know what this is? This is called Christ our Redeemer, right? This is from Brazil, and it's the big statue that oversees. What city is that? Rio de Janeiro? Where was the Rio? Is, it, is that the full name of it? Yeah. So Rio, what was that Rio recently? Was it the Olympics? Wow. That was, that, was that long ago? Oh, yeah, because it's a, it's, a, it's a summer Olympic year. Anyway, right? So, so there's something too, like, yeah, we're to come to Jesus because He is the one who gives us freedom. So, 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 so simply put, what is a liberated life? It's a liberated life that 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 isn't standing on your own merit and, and standing on your own ability or inability to to uh, uh, to uphold the law. Or on the other end, you know, you, you're not called to wallow in your in your sin and wallow in your shortcomings. And to, and to be isolated and alone. But you're called to what? Come to Jesus, right? To come at me, bro. Uh, Jesus, our Redeemer. Um, the next thing is this. True wisdom of man consists in the knowledge of God, the Creator and Redeemer. Right? If we just know God as the Creator, we, we, are, we don't get a full picture of who He is. And that's why God gave us His Word. Because in His Word, primarily... It explains to us that Jesus isn't just our creator, but he's also our redeemer. That he didn't just breathe the breath of life into us, but he also rescues us um, from the life that we've, we've, we've perceived, that we've created ourselves, the life of sin and death, and he has given us life. And I love this one. So, so uh, Frederick, what is his last name? Nietzsche? He's a philosopher. How many of you have studied him? 
Is that how you say his name, Nietzsche? Right? Is it Nietzsche? Anyway, he says this, and I, and I really, like, I really appreciate what he, so he gives a critique of the Christian faith here. He says this, I will believe in the Redeemer when Christians look a little more redeemed. Let that sit for a second. I will believe in the Redeemer when Christians look a little more redeemed. Like, you guys have heard, like, this, the, the, I think it's a dumb phrase that people say, like, you know, when people, to respond to people who say stuff like this, like, the church is full of hypocrites, when you say things, something stupid like, well, then come join us or something, right? Because it's like, I am one, and that's why I need Jesus. That is true. Uh, but I've grown over the years in hearing um, people and how the churches that they've been a part of have let them down. Um, there's, there's, there's some truth to what he's saying. Like, we are the redeemed people, which means that we're going to be, we should have a joy above all joys, right? Not a, a superficial happiness, but a, a deep sense of contentment above all joys. And if you want to learn more about that joy, come to our talks on Wednesday night because that's what we're talking about, joy, the joyful life. Um, we should be people who, have, who live, literally who live free so that we, when we do let people down, guess because of the freedom that we have in Christ, what can we do? We can say we're sorry, right? Uh, or when people do let us down because of the freedom that we have in Christ, we can say, I forgive you, Right? Uh, there's a humility that exists above all humilities so that when we're wrong, we, f- we can forgive. And when we do wrong, we ask for forgiveness. Um, there is a, there is a um, like I said, right, there is a, we live in the, in the culture of cancel. And there, there are people who are canceled. And if you find yourself getting canceled in some way, shape, or form, you know that that canceling isn't what's true of you, right? That, that who God says you are as his child is what's true of you. So you aren't enslaved to the opinions of others, but you are free because the God of heaven and earth knows you, created you, and redeemed you. I will believe in the Redeemer when the Christian looks a little more redeemed. I love that. And that's a great critique of the Christian faith and maybe a critique of your own heart and how you live your life, right? Would somebody who follows you around say that you, are, you embody the characteristics of a redeemed person? Or would they say that you look like everybody else? That's for you to answer. And then lastly, it's this, worship. Like, a redeemed person will have a heart to express worship. And these are some songs that people have written. Uh, but I'll finish with this. Our Redeemer says, I have bought you, ransomed you, redeemed you. And you are no longer slaves to sin. You belong to me. And I have given you all you need for life and godliness. So raise up your hands and lift your voices in praise because we are no longer captives. We have been set free. And that's, that's worship. That's joy. That's not, you know, um, that, is, that is liberated worship, right? That we, we gather together as God's liberated people to express thanks, praise, and contentment and joy in the one who is our Redeemer. Okay, so let's transition.